Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good, how are you? Great. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to thank our listeners for their feedback. We really love hearing from you guys. And if you have a minute, please like and subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you really like us and have two minutes, uh, leave a review. Tonight we're talking, or we're discussing the disappearance of Sneha. I hopefully saying her name right. Yes. Sneha Ann Phillip. She was a doctor in Manhattan and is listed as the 2,751st victim of the September 11th attacks in 2001. There is some contention surrounding her disappearance that caused some to question her whereabouts leading up to the attacks. Did she die in the towers while trying to save others, as her family believes? Or is there another explanation for her disappearance? Although there are several theories, it is not known what happened to her. Thank you for that. So Sneha Ann Phillip was born October 7th, 1969 in Kerala, India. When she was a child, she moved to upstate New York with her mom and dad and her brother, John. Uh, She grew up in Albany and Hopewell Junction, which is in Dutchess County. And she attended John Hopkins University in Baltimore. And upon graduation, she enrolled in the Chicago School of Medicine in 1995. While she was in med school, she met Ron Lieberman, who was one year behind her. He was from Los Angeles. Uh, They shared interests outside of school. She really liked to paint. He played music, um, and they actually ended up dating. Once Sneha realized that it was serious, she took a gap year uh, so Ron could catch up, and she traveled around Italy um, so they could graduate at the same time. Oh. Yeah. So uh, Ron and Sneha graduate from the Chicago School of Medicine in 1999 and both land internships at hospitals in New York City. Sneha was placed at Cabrini Medical Center in Manhattan and Ron was at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. They rented an apartment in Manhattan a couple blocks from the World Trade Center. And Sneha was really content with the entire setup. You know, uh, the apartment was near her work. Her brother also lived in Manhattan. She had other family in the city, cousins, and that. Uh, Her parents lived about an hour or so outside of the city in Dutchess County. So overall, it was a good move for her. Yeah. You know, she was close with her family. Mm. So this brings us up to September 10th, 2001. Uh, 
Ron headed to work the morning of the 10th while Sneha had the 10th and the 11th off of work. She spent the day hanging out at home and doing some chores around the house, and she spent uh, several hours IMing her mom. In the later afternoon, she told her mom over IM that she was going to go shopping, and a little bit before 5 p.m., she leaves the house in a short sleeve, dark-colored dress. Around 6.45, she makes a purchase at Century 21, which is a department store and not the realtor company, which is what I originally thought it was. Yeah, no, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh. (laughs) I did think that was, it took me a minute. I was like, why just a casual purchase at a realtor company? It's a house or something. Yeah. Um, Century 21 is a department store in New York, and it happened to be down the street from her apartment. She purchases about $500 worth of bedding, shoes, and lingerie on the Amex that she shares with Ron. And Ron returns home from work a little before midnight the 10th. And Sneha was not home. However, this is not unusual for her. She often went out and stayed with friends or her cousin or her brother. And when she did this, she was supposed to call, but it also wasn't unusual for her to forget to call. Right. So Ron wakes up the morning of the 11th and Sneha still has not come home. He leaves Manhattan for work and goes right into a meeting. When he comes out of the meeting, he sees his coworkers huddled around the TV and they're watching news coverage of a plane crash into the first World Trade Center tower. Yeah, and, and um, the morning, obviously, the shook the world, right? September 11th at 8.46 a.m., just to give some background on the uh, World Trade Center attacks, five hijackers crashed American Airlines Flight 11, <clears throat> excuse me, bound for Los Angeles from Logan International Airport in Boston, Massachusetts, into the North uh, Tower. The plane was a Boeing 767, had 81 people on board, including the five hijackers. The plane hit the tower going about 465 miles per hour, and the point of impact was between the 93rd and the 99th floors. The plane was planning on a cross-country flight, so it was carrying around 10,000 gallons of jet fuel, which I just kind of side thought, didn't realize just how much. I Yeah, I did not know how much jet fuel was, you know, what the mile per gallon, I guess, that yeah. a plane gets, but I, it, it is a big number. Yeah, me too. It was just like, wow. <laughs> Many people on the ground believed the initial crash to be an accident. The plane was flying so low, you know, and it's not common to see <clears throat> planes flying so low over Manhattan. So, you know, they probably just thought it. It's like, oh. And I remember hearing that, too, you know. <laughs> like, everybody thought it was an accident first, and then right. and then a, a little over 15 minutes after Flight 11 hit the North Tower, United Flight 175 hit the South Tower at 9.03, AM about at about 540 miles per hour between the 77th and the 85th floors. The plane was also a 767 with 65 people on board, including the five hijackers. Uh, this plane was also bound for LA from Boston and was carrying a similar fuel load to Flight 11. After the first crash, most, most news outlets were covering the events live and caught the second crash on camera live. I know I saw the second plane crash live um I was watching coverage with my mom 
in yeah. the living room. I like can very vividly remember. I was in, I think, the fifth grade when that happened. Yeah, I so remember. I was young, but I do remember it very oh, vividly. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's a day nobody would ever, you know, will ever forget. And especially if you happen to catch it while you're watching the news. I remember coming home. I was staying the night uh, at a friend's house, and I came home to get ready for work. We lived just down the street, and <clears throat> my brother's like, "Run!" Yeah, a plane hit the World Trade Center, and I'm like, "What?" And then we saw the second plane, and we're like, "And that's just when it kind of hit us that wow, we're under attack! Like this right. isn't an accident." The South Tower actually burned for 56 minutes, and the North Tower burned for 102 minutes before they collapsed due to the jet fuel explosions and the subsequent intense fires that burned in the buildings, weakening all the structures. The collapse caused several additional fires and damaged, uh, damaged the surrounding buildings. Temperatures in the center of the blaze were, or centers of the blaze, were estimated to be about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. This is hot enough to destroy uh, human remains. The collapse also caused a huge cloud of smoke, dust, and debris to cover the surrounding neighborhoods. And again, just seeing that on the news was, I mean, you would think that. I mean, it was like whiteout conditions, and it, but it wasn't snow. <laughs> it was right. Yeah, the the pictures are you know creepy to this day. And you can imagine, I'm sure everybody, especially Ron, is probably frantic seeing this. Right. Yeah. So the reason we kind of brought up some of the details is because they end up being important based on the proximity of their apartment to the World Trade Centers. Uh, Ron tries to reach Sneha at her home repeatedly with no answer. And after the tower collapse, Manhattan is basically in chaos. And there's, you know, spotty power and spotty phone service. Most people are trying to get a hold of their loved ones at this point. Uh, By 3 p.m., neither Ron nor her family had been in contact with Sneha. So Ron catches a ride with an ambulance from Jacoby back to Manhattan And it takes him about six hours to get to his neighborhood, uh, which puts the time at about 9 p.m. the 11th. And just to put the six hours into perspective, uh, it's about a 30-minute drive with regular New York traffic. So you're talking about 17, 18 miles. Um, So you can just imagine the chaos. six hours. Yeah. Uh, He arrives home to his building, and he actually can't get into the apartment at all because since the electricity is out, Uh, The automatic doors won't open, so he ends up crashing on a friend's couch for the night and basically is just left to try to get into the apartment again in the morning. On the morning of the 12th, he does get into his apartment, and he finds no sign of Sneha. Uh, A window had been left open the afternoon before on the 10th, and dust and soot from the tower collapse had just poured in through the open window. The only footprints in the dust were from their cats. And there were also no shopping bags or any sign that she had left, come back and left stuff and then left again. uh, Reaffirming his belief that she never came back to the apartment after the planes hit the towers. Right. So Ron lists Sneha as a missing person with the NYPD immediately. But over 10,000 people were listed as missing in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. So there was no way to get Sneha's case investigated with any more expediency than any other missing person. Right. Ron spoke with reporters trying to drum up interest in her story. But as soon as they discovered that she was not heard from since the 10th, reporters lost interest. 
John, her brother, tries a bit of a different tactic and goes to another reporter and tells a different story. He says that he was on the phone with her when the plane hit the North Tower. And according to him, she said, quote, she had to go help and rushed to the World Trade Center to assist in the rescue and triage effort. In reality, the two had not spoken in a couple of weeks because they had had an argument. Hmm. And despite this effort and, you know, the subsequent coverage that he got from the story, no new leads or witnesses emerged. And John actually begins to regret his approach because he feels her story got lumped into the overwhelming narrative of people who were lost in the towers while trying to help. So people basically assume that she had died. Um, and this actually ends up stifling their search efforts. So like an unintended consequence. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the family decides to refocus their search efforts to September 10th. Because this lead seems to be more promising, because at least there's a chance that she could possibly be found alive. So Ron starts to retrace her last steps with the IM messages and the Amex charges. And once he realizes that she had gone to Century 21, he starts dropping off missing person flyers at the other locations in the city. Uh, The downtown location near their apartment was closed because of its proximity to the World Trade Center. And there's a massive like search and cleanup effort going on. Um, all the employees that work there were sent to different locations. Sonia Moore was an employee uh, who regularly worked at the downtown location in the shoe department, and she recognized Sneha as a regular customer. She saw the missing persons flyer at the Brooklyn location and contacted Ron. Sonia basically tells Ron she remembers seeing Sneha the afternoon of the 10th in the shoe department, and she was with a friend. This friend was described as small, possibly Indian, and probably in her early 30s. Ron rules out friends and family that fit that description on this day. Um, And to this day, no one has come forward, so the person's identity remains unknown. Ron reviews the security tapes from Century 21, And while the shoe department didn't have cameras, so he doesn't have footage of Sneha with her friend, he did find her browsing the coat section, but she was alone. Now, as things started to calm down after the events of 9-11, the police opened an investigation into Sneha's disappearance. But after they ruled Ron out as a suspect, in the absence of any other obvious leads, they lump her together with other missing 9-11 victims. In response to this slow police investigation, Ron and Sneha's family hire a private investigator to conduct a parallel investigation, and the PI works on tracing her last known hours. He focuses on trying to find someone who saw her after she was at Century 21. He visits places that she was known to frequent, bars and restaurants in and around the Century 21 He brought photos to the ferries to see if someone remembered her in the mass of people trying to flee Manhattan on the 11th, but turns up empty. He also proposes the idea that Sneha may have packed up and disappeared intentionally to start a new life. But after a thorough search of her belongings, he quickly casts doubt on his own theory, basically. Um, He finds no trace of a plan to leave. 
or even no trace of like a ongoing affair or her like leaving with somebody or, right yeah. yeah sneha also left behind her glasses her passport her driver's license and all credit cards with the exception of the amex that she shared with her husband so I do want to know from you, what do you think about the theory that she left intentionally? I don't think so either because, I mean, either, I guess, in my, I never had a plan to leave, but I mean, why would she take the Amex but leave everything else? Or why wouldn't she take everything? So let's say she was leaving her husband, if that, you know, she seemed to be having an affair and she left her husband. Uh, she would take her passport and her glass. I mean, she'd pack up and leave, right? If, right. Unless she, I mean... Or did she get a whole new identity? Uh, but then why take the Amex and why go shopping that day? I mean, it just seems if you're if you're going to be doing something that huge, like I'm, I'm going to get a new identity and leave and pack up and go away. Why would you go buy five hundred dollars worth of home goods? That's how I feel about it. I'm, you know, if she had a plan to leave, I don't think it was her plan to leave on the tenth. Right. You know, basically is how I feel about it. Yeah, you know? I just, you know, and, and it seemed like he sort of cast out on himself too. It's like, yeah, maybe this is it but then realized oh okay maybe not <laughs> it does seem like an obvious i guess initial theory yeah i would so. probably think that too i mean if you're trying to figure out where did she go and yeah so i mean i get, I get why he's doing that but or says that but i think just a little investigation seems to say probably not probably but. not yeah that's how i feel about that too so i'm gonna move on to two pieces of the investigation that i find interesting um first is the phone call so Ron was the only one home on the night of the 10th. Someone made a call from their home phone to his cell phone at 4 a.m. the early morning of the 11th. Now, Ron says he doesn't definitely remember that it was him, but it was likely he kind of rolled over and sleepily used the house phone to check his cell phone voicemail. Hmm. So that's that's interesting. So... A call from their landline was made to his cell phone. Right. And he thinks it could have been him. And I'm just going to be coming at this from my own perspective. My phone is generally by my bed, my cell phone. No, I'm the same way. <laughs> but not everybody. I can't, you know, be so naive to think everybody's going to be that way. But, I mean, and if you were checking your messages, if I was wanted to check my phone from, because that's what he's saying, right? I used my landline to call my cell phone to check for messages. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what he's saying. That's, I mean, if his phone was just in the other room, maybe he's in a New York apartment, I would imagine it's not very big. So, uh, I, I mean, just assuming I know New York and, you know, city apartments are just not going to be, wouldn't you just grab that and look to see for the, the message icon? Uh, so. I wonder if because cell phones back then weren't as, you know, they, he didn't have an iPhone, right? So sure. Maybe it was less because my phone is next to my bed charging at night. So, uh, yeah, in 2001, I think I had a flip phone probably or a Nokia, Nokia, Nokia. Oh, the brick phones, the Nokia brick phones. Yeah, yeah, but you would tell you if you had a little, if you had a voicemail, you know, you had an icon, so you have a message. And yeah, I assume maybe he didn't have it. Like maybe he rolled over and the landline was was there closer. Yeah, yeah I, and that makes enough sense, I guess. It's just odd to me it's just odd yeah I mean I don't think he's lying so I, I don't mean to come at it like I don't believe what he's saying but you know uh yeah it's just kind of weird but I, I suppose I'm also coming at it from a very recent perspective going why isn't it on your ear when you go to sleep 
like me. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, the other piece of the investigation that I find interesting is the apartment video footage. So Ron says he knows Sneha didn't make it back to their apartment after the attacks because of all the soot and dust that came through the window that was undisturbed. Um, and then there were also no shopping bags left in the apartment. Uh, there is video footage of the lobby of their apartment building right around the time the first plane would have hit the North tower. And a woman walks in from outside matches Sneha's general description, similar build hair and a similar style and color, you know, dark color dress. Uh, according to her family, the woman also has similar mannerisms to Sneha. However, this woman was not carrying any shopping bags. And if she was coming home from a night out, you might think that she would have her stuff with her. Mm -hmm. uh, the woman waits at the elevator for several minutes and then turns around and walks out of the building. Now, because of the way the sunlight was coming in through the window, the footage is too washed out to make a definitive ID. But her family believes that it was her. And this video footage kind of cemented her family's belief to reevaluate their search approach to focus on the 9-11 angle. You know, if you believe that the woman in the video is Sneha, if the person in the video left the lobby because they heard the plane crash and it was Sneha, it, could po it would be possible, you know, she heard the crash, walked outside, saw what happened, and then ran to go help. Right. Uh, the family also believes that if she were a victim of foul play on the 10th, there would be some sort of evidence trail or paper trail beyond just the purchases at Century 21. If someone had, you know, you know, it's horrible, but if someone had murdered her. Right. She would likely have been found. Something feel. would have probably turned up in subsequent investigations. Some, or, right. Yeah, something would have probably happened. So that's really interesting. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Interesting with the video footage, though. I mean, yeah, she didn't have the bags, but, you know, I'd be curious um, if, you know, they're seeing that and they want that to be her, or maybe it really was her. I mean, I, I can't imagine 
having somebody missing that's an awful you know awful thing yeah i i think the the fact that she doesn't have any bags is a little weird but then if she maybe i mean five hundred dollars was with a friend and then she was like they had been out partying maybe just left at her friend's house like i'll come back for this later i'm gonna like get home and change and shower yeah true (sighs) i guess the plane you know that's got a they were pretty close to the world trade center so could be her but it's one of those there's there's so much about this case it's like could be but we'll never know right yeah it's always a always a thing yeah so with no new leads the case is stagnant and the family's starting to side with the theory that she disappeared and died in the towers ron and the family become more active in 9-11 grief and support groups uh, they attended annual memorials on the second anniversary of the attacks. They held a memorial for Sneha, where they buried an urn full of ashes from the World Trade Center. And Ron also files a claim with the Victims Compensation Fund. So the um, so background on what the Victims Compensation Fund is, it was created as an act of Congress that the victims of the attack would be compensated in exchange for not suing the airlines involved in the attacks. The lawyer uh, appointed as a special master of the Victims' Compensation Fund named uh, Kenneth Feinberg, uh, responsible for settling the payouts of the amounts. He estimated how much each victim would earn in a a full lifetime, quote-unquote, and offered them an amount, uh, or offered an amount to the families. If the families accepted the offer, they could not appeal the decision. If the family chose to appeal, they presented their case in a hearing. Many families lost family members who were high-earning professionals and chose to appeal because they thought the offers were too low. In the end, the fund paid out $7 billion to 97% of the families with an average payment of $1.8 million. And so Ron says he files a claim because he wants to start a memorial fund in Sneha's name. And when, when questioned why he filed a claim at all. So the police decide to start an investigation into her disappearance um and like i said they considered her to be a 9-11 victim before her family did but as the family began to change their search tactics to focus on the towers the police began to theorize that she was never at the towers on 9-11 at all because during their investigation they began to uncover a life that was a little bit different than what ron and her family had disclosed and it showed a life that was spiraling out of control a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, first off she was fired from her internship at Cabrini in spring of 2001 the internship that she moved to New York for Uh, excessive tardiness and quote alcohol related issues were cited as reasons for not renewing her contract and that is intern speak for getting fired right she also got into a dispute with a co-worker at Cabrini that landed her in jail for a night uh, Sneha claimed that on an evening out with coworkers at a bar, a fellow intern grabbed her inappropriately. And after the investigation, the Manhattan DA dropped the charges against the coworker, and then the police actually arrested Sneha for filing a false report. Wow. The prosecutors offered to drop the charges against her if she recanted her statement, but she refused, and she ends up spending the night in jail. The police also report marital issues between Ron and Sneha uh, after she was fired from Cabrini. She often stayed out late all night with people who were, her husband didn't know, whom she had met at you know different bars. 
and she favored gay and lesbian bars. But Ron says this was because after the incident with the coworker, she didn't want to be hit on by men. And allegedly these late nights out with people she met at bars took a turn when her brother John, again allegedly, walked in on Sneha having sex with his girlfriend less than a month before her disappearance. This is the supposed incident that is the reason why Sneha and her brother weren't speaking at the time of her disappearance. I would assume that's a good reason. That's a <laughs> That would be a pretty good reason not to talk to your sister, but... Yeah. Uh, Her struggles with substance abuse and depression and her sexuality spilled into her new internship, which was at St. Vincent's. At the time of her disappearance, she was suspended for not meeting with a substance abuse counselor, which is why she wasn't at work on the 10th or the 11th. The morning she disappeared, she was actually in court pleading not guilty to filing a false complaint for the incident involving her coworker at Cabrini. According to the NYPD... Ron and Sneha got into a shouting match at the courthouse. Ron was allegedly upset that Sneha was abusing drugs and staying out all night with women she met at bars. And Sneha stormed out. So the family flatly denies the claims made by the police. They say the reason that she was fired from Cabrini was because of the racial and sexual bias she was subjected to uh, while working there. Uh, Further... They said that the biases against her weren't investigated properly because she was a whistleblower and filed a complaint against a coworker. Ron admits that Sneha would go home with other women she met at bars, but he insisted that it was strictly platonic. Uh, when she would go home with them, they would stay up talking, making art, or listening to music until they fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, John disputes the claim about Sneha and his girlfriend having sex, saying it never happened. And Ron denies having a fight at the courthouse on the 10th. And the family says that the police fabricated or, you know, at least wildly extrapolated certain facts to put together this explanation of a woman who was on a downward spiral because they didn't do a thorough investigation at the time of her disappearance. Her depression and alcohol issues were said to be a symptom of a rough period, but she was putting her life back together. So do we know where the police, I mean, got this information? Is it very... Well, they did their own investigation. Sure. I mean, I wonder who they were talking to or who had, like, them arguing at the courthouse, let's say, or... As far as I understand it, they said that they, you know, it was, like, witnessed by multiple people. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what struck me... kind of you know staying the night at, I mean if she's favoring uh, gay and lesbian bars or lesbian bars in particular and staying the night with women purely platonic I mean I'm, I don't think so it's, <sighs> staying but. out with people that your you know boyfriend husband girlfriend wife doesn't know staying out all night is I feel like a cause for concern right um, you would be freaked out if Emily was like you would just be worried about where she was if Emily just didn't come home some nights. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, just be... Com- and I'd be uh, awfully irritated if she was out uh, <laughs> spend the night with uh, women making art. Making art or talking until they fell asleep. Yeah. So, I mean, and you know what, though? That's their marriage and, and whatever. That's, that's Right. Things that's... happen in between them. He may not want to... I, you know, my personal opinion is... 
she was probably struggling with sexuality and and maybe that's where the drinking's coming in and things like that. Um, I think it doesn't give the police a pass on, you know, not investigating very much at the beginning. Again, they were busy. 9-11. 9-11, they were busy, but... You know, I, th- I feel like the report kind of makes it about, like, her high-risk lifestyle or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I don't like and that. I don't I like don't... that, yeah. Because it's true. It does feel like I don't care what she was doing or whatever. It's, you know, it's still a missing person. You just need to investigate it, you know. To And I wonder if that happens a lot, you know, where they decide that it's not if this, you know, uh, victims of circumstance kind of thing, Right. Kind of like with the the Grim Sleeper, you know. Right. Oh well, they're hookers, so we're not going to look into it. So, so why is she a party girl? Let themselves off the hook a little bit, almost. Right. So because she's know. a party girl, so we're just going to say that that's it. So. Right. Yeah, that's the one that I just don't. You know, it, it doesn't sit right with me. I guess. Um, yeah. Ron and the family have never made the contents of the report put together by their private investigator public, so it's not known whether the contents of the report would refute or corroborate the police investigation. And that just might be because they have some very personal information in there that they may not want to send to the world and, you know. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I mean, he's not asking. He's asking to find out what happened to his wife, not, you know, for the rest of the world to, I guess, judge. So I don't blame him for keeping it or think that it's odd that he would keep it private. Right, me either. Um, so let's talk about her status as a 9-11 victim. Uh, to be listed as a 9-11 victim, you must have, quote, clear and convincing evidence of a person's exposure to the attack. But the application of this law is not even. Um, and we'll actually talk a little bit more about that later. I have a couple examples. Uh, Sneha was on the victim list until January 2004 when she was removed by the medical examiner's office. The reason for the removal was because she was, quote, known to be missing on the 10th, and they have no substantial evidence she was even alive on the 11th. Uh, a judge upheld this decision in November 2005 when Ron's petition to set Sneha's date of death as 9-11-2001 was denied. Instead, her date of death was set at 9-10-2004, <clears throat> and this is in accordance with New York state law, that says a missing person whose family wants them claimed as deceased will have their death date listed as three years after their unexplained absence began. Hmm. Because Sneha did not have a death certificate with a 9-11-2001 death date, his claim with the victim's compensation fund was denied. <clears throat> and it's actually estimated that this claim would be worth approximately 3 to $4 million dollars. Police have no concrete evidence as to what happened to Sneha despite their investigation. You know, it's just as likely that she ran away, was the victim of a random crime on the 10th, committed suicide, or was the victim of a 9-11 attack as far as they're concerned. Mm -hmm. In January 2008, the decision was reversed and Sneha was declared dead on uh, 9-11-2001. Uh, the decision was that basically the explanation that she was at the towers assisting people was highly probable based on the evidence that was provided. Uh, the quote from the ruling says, you know, this does not require absolute certainty. It merely requires that the evidence makes the conclusion highly probable. Even without proof, refu- uh, 
establishing that her even even without irrefutable proof establishing that her route took her past the world trade center at the time of the attack the evidence shows that it's highly probable that she died that morning at that site the one dissenting judge said that since it's not known where she was the night of the 10th it requires speculation to say she was even in the vicinity of the world trade centers on the 11th that's um I, I, I'm okay with the decision, I think, um, because it is hard to say. I mean, the dissenting opinion, it does require speculation, but it also requires speculation that, you know, she wasn't. I, they live so close. Right. I mean, it, New York, she could have been doing anything, coming home, walking past. You know, you just don't know. But the fact that she lived in and from the police investigation seemed to be that her usual haunts were to be right around the same area wouldn't, you know, and and that they hadn't, yes, they haven't heard from her, but that wasn't also uncommon. So she could have just been coming home. So I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think it provides closure to the families. Yeah. You know, Um, six months after the appeal decision, Sneha's family received notification from New York City that her name was being added to the uh, victim list. So uh, Sneha's death date ruling um, actually compares to a couple other cases. Uh, Juan Lafuente, uh, 61, was the husband of the mayor. I'm going to say this so bad. Uh, <laughs> Poughkeepsie? No, I think it's Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie, There's going to be people in New York screaming at us. <laughs> I know, and I apologize. I apologize. I think it's uh, Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. So Juan Lafuente, 61, uh, was the husband of the mayor of Poughkeepsie? I may I just have you say it. <laughs> <laughs> he worked eight blocks north of the towers. His wife um, presented no concrete evidence of his whereabouts on 9-11, uh, circumstantial evidence at the hearing was a witness testifying that they saw La Fuente at a deli they frequented on 9/11, saying he had a meeting at the World, uh, saying he had a meeting at the World Trade Center uh, that morning. La Fuente was also a volunteer fire marshal, so he would likely have had the same instinct as Sneha to run and aid the first responders. Uh, he was ruled to be a victim of the attacks before Sneha was. And then there was uh, Fernando Molinar, uh, 19, was an Ecuadorian immigrant, not seen or heard from by family since uh, September 8, 2001, when he called his mom to tell her that he was starting a new job at a pizza place next to the World Trade Centers. Presume, he's presumed to be working at the time of the attacks. His roommates contacted his family after he did not return home um, after the attacks. His petition was rejected by the court and the the decision was never uh, appealed so so yeah those are two other examples of that same law and how they're not really applied evenly yeah you could almost argue that fernando would be more likely to be near the world trade centers than juan since he Working. worked there but that issue i think came up a lot especially when it you know um the victims compensation fund money came into play Mm-hmm. So, uh, for Sneha to get, you know, that's why she was added to the list, taken off the list, and then added again. Right. Uh, 
By the time the family got the death certificate with the 9-11-2001 death date, the victim's compensation fund had actually closed, so Ron and her family would never receive any of the compensation money. Her name was added to the victim list and the memorials. Um, And like I said before, her family buried an urn full of World Trade Center ashes since no remains have been found. That is not uncommon, though. There are hundreds of 9-11 victims whose remains have never been conclusively identified due to the extensive fire and damage of the towers. Yeah. So let's move on to theories. Uh, The first theory, which I think is just an obvious theory, is foul play by a family member, and I'm firmly in the no camp on that. I just don't think there's anything to suggest that at all. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm, well... If you believe the police reports, then maybe, but I just don't think that... I was going there. Maybe the police reports, but I doubt it. I just don't really think so. I don't think they would go so deep into hiring a private investigator and trying to drum up interest just to cover up the fact that, you know, it was... Yeah, the only reason why I go, well, let's just consider all angles or whatever, but that's, you know, no, I don't... I'm opinion, no. Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, The next theory is that she died on the 10th, and I feel like maybe as, like, a victim of foul play... I don't think it was an accident. I feel like she would have been found if she, you know, I don't know, slipped and fell or something. I Yeah, I, I'm the same. It's it's a maybe, and that's the kind of thing with these sort of missing person cases. I feel like it's always, you know, I'm going to say maybe a lot. But, um, you know, maybe she ran into the wrong person, you know. So maybe. <laughs> yeah, a maybe. It's, it's a maybe. Uh, uh, the Third is the back to the that she intentionally disappeared. I say no. I just don't. I mean, maybe, but she would have to be so good at covering her tracks. Yeah. And yeah. And why take the Amex? Yeah. Why not take anything else from your old life? Yeah. $500 worth of things. Yeah. Again, maybe, but probably no. Yeah. Uh, The fourth is suicide. And I mean, I guess you could say maybe only because anything is possible and you know, if you believe what was in the report from the police, her life was kind of spiraling. But I, I don't think that there's any proof that she was suicidal yeah. that we know of. Yeah, again, again with the maybe. But I, I would think, I think you would have also have found her. Because if somebody is going to kill themselves generally, I mean, um, I just don't know if they would do it to where they'd never be found again. She probably would have done it and somebody would have found her. That's what I'm thinking, or she would have left some sort of note. She was close with her family. Right. She would have done something to make it known or done it somewhere public, and she would have been found. So I just, I don't, again, I'm with a maybe, but. (laughs) And then the last theory is that she died, obviously died in the World Trade Center. Um, And I feel like, again, maybe, but no more likely for me anyway than that she, you know, died on the 10th. Um, Yeah, she very well could have been there helping, walking, and... uh, or in been in the wrong place in the wrong time or and swept up in the chaos too right something like that um or like you said very well been on the tent it's it's really hard to say we did have that footage that could be her and if we say that is her then you know i'd probably be more in the most likely camp um but we just same if if you told me for sure that that was sneha like on the apartment lobby footage i would definitely say that she probably did go try and assist but 
because they've never conclusively identified who that was to me anyway it doesn't i i don't know i guess yeah same i i i don't know so it's it's just too um it's too bad it's really sad you know um but i think that uh wraps us up uh for today thank you for joining us uh please visit our website misconductpodcast.com i have tongue twister every time to leave your thoughts and comments on today's case any links to further reading or other content will be posted below the episode misconduct is available on soundcloud and itunes you can also visit our facebook and instagram pages please visit the website for those links and if you love us please leave us a review on itunes as always if you'd like to email suggestions for an upcoming episode you can do so via the website or uh, get us on facebook If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.